If you're going to play the game, play the game, motherfucker. If you want to sniff salt to fucking deadlift 40 kilo, fucking go for it. Like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how fucking... Mm. I even got into it. This is British Strongman Podcast with Josh Lancaster and Change Your Man. Strongman programming and technical excellence for everyone. Boom. When you're doing a comp and you don't really have a shot at winning it, you're just doing it there for experience. Do you still need to get in the zone mentally? If you're going to play the game, play the game, motherfucker. Yes. Watch turn up fucking uh, lifting. No, fucking. Mm. That's like yeah, saying, oh, am I, am I strong enough to get hyped? Am I strong enough to enjoy this properly? Am I, am I strong enough to experience this to the fullest? Of course, fucking are. Anyone can do it. If you want to sniff salt to fucking deadlift 40 kilo, fucking go for it. Like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how strong you are or where you're going to place in a competition. Plus, also, you know, there might be events that you can scalp people on. And, you know, just because there's no chance of you winning the comp doesn't mean you can't have a standout performance somewhere. You know, not all events are decided on maximal strength. There can be, you could perfect something and do a Conan. I've seen people that, like, smash Conan's walk or something, you know, and win that event. They get in some crazy-ass zone, and you're like, wow, I didn't expect that. You know, you can you can easily be one of those guys, but if you go in there like a fucking lettuce leaf, you ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the the question that's on my mind is, do you not get in the zone when you're training? Like I, I get in the, in the zone every single rep of every single set. Otherwise, it just feels awful. Like it's it, fun. It's quite yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like, but like, you, you you're a massive advocate of this. You say that, um, like, you, a lot of people will, will push the kind of top end sets or the new rule stuff or whatever, and then they'll go to their accessories and just like, you know, like a lot of people refer to their accessories as fluff and what they'll just like half arse it kind of thing. Whereas you're you're doing you're doing bicep curl, three sets of twenty, like you you're in the zone for that, Shane, aren't you? Yeah, it's like, I hate that fucking word fluff, by the way, because fluff to me just means junk volume. So if it's fluff, don't do it. There's no point. Yeah. Um, you know, but... You might as well just recover. Yeah, you may as well just recover. Yeah, you're just adding some stuff to recover. You don't need. But but yeah, but in the competition day, per personally though, this question to me is mind-blowing because when that whistle goes, that's a zone whistle. Like whether I want to or not, I'm going absolutely mental. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I could tell myself, oh, just do three reps, Shane. But no, you know, once that whistle goes, I'm going to be like, oh, this feels fun, you know, and then I'm going to keep going. So I think that you would get in the zone anyway, my friend. But I would say don't even think about that as a as a, as a a question. Yeah. And um, I suppose talking from experience as well, like the, I, I've, done, I've done comps this year where I've been aiming to win. And they're going there, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna win. Like I'm just focused on winning and getting in that. Obviously, the getting in the zone mentality. Just you don't even have to think about it. It's second nature. Yeah. But then I've done other comps where I'm just there to make the numbers up, and I'm just doing it there for fun. Like an example for, for instance, was like I did England's Strongest Man under 105s this year, and there was like I think 17 or something, and I'm just there just to make make the numbers up and and be and uh, and to find it fun. But if you see any footage of me on every single event, I'm doing it like my life depends on it. Like I'm, I'm trying to chuck myself under a max log. I'm failing. I've like 
of uh, dive for the line on that truck pull and got run over. Mm-hmm. And then, and then if it like, even though it didn't really matter, I'm like kind of putting pressure on the referees afterwards saying it's their, their mistake. And I want to retake it. I'm putting my foot down. Let me go again. It didn't mm-hmm. even matter. Well, well, that comes down to the experience side, doesn't it? If you go into the competition for experience yeah. and to learn from it, what are you going to learn if you don't get in the zone and try hard and um, yeah. and test all these things? Because what's going to happen is you're going to do loads of competitions for experience, but you're not going to care. You're not gonna have a, and then you're going to go to the one you care and you're going to be nervous. You're going to have the, this nervous energy, these jitters, this anxiety. And you're going to be like, oh, why have I got this? Well, it's because you didn't, you know, get emotionally invested into the competitions that you've practiced with so treat them all the same and that's part that's part of that nervous feeling that little anxious voice going oh you know that's kind of part of the fun for me like getting over that and going in and and performing but i suppose speaking from experience like it, it it is something that i've got better at from like using that england strongest man as an example under 105s three years ago I maybe wouldn't have had the confidence to three or four years ago. I wouldn't have had the confidence to turn up to something like that because I'd be thinking, well, what if people think I'm shit? Like, what if people think, oh, like, oh what's he doing there, or, or whatever? And I would, and and I'd almost be trying, like, I'd be, I'd be so like kind of distracted in my, like, by what other people might be thinking. And obviously, that's something that that I pride myself on is that I can kind of get in the zone where. I only care what I think. I'm only doing it for like I'm only doing it for me. Like it doesn't matter if he thinks I'm good, bad, or indifferent because I don't care about anybody's anybody's opinion. So yeah, I, I would say that it it is something that you that, that you do going to get better at. But we're going off the point here. Always get in the zone. Yeah, you get better at that though. But you get better at it whether you were in the zone or not. So you may as well be in the zone. What do you think is going to be the next trend? We'll both we'll both answer this. And what would you like to see as the next trend? Um, what do you think will be the next trend first, Shane? And I'll tell you mine. Maybe the Ukrainian deadlift is what I'm going to say. Right. Uh, the reason being is Clash Australia have that in a show. I've heard that Giants Live are potentially making some kind of piece of equipment like that, um, which then tends to lead on to next year's OSG maybe they'll get something there it tends to be those style of events uh, sorry those, those type of competitions that set the trend you know what I mean so I, I would say Ukraine to lift cool I think we're gonna I, I wouldn't surprise me if we see these um sandbag Husafels like put into comps because I feel I feel like yeah uh, did you see the, the the rogue invitational yeah, what the you watched that? Yeah, the was uh, very good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. Oh yeah, yeah, Shane, that was the thing that I was going to we'll, we'll do on the, the the next episode. Actually, you know, like re, like do a re, reaction to that. Um, because I I I, I was going to do a video the other day. Like I, I was basically in a nutshell. I was really I watched a bit of the women's log, and I was massively impressed by the. But but anyway, we can do, we'll do that another day. But but yeah, I th- I think the the trend will be the Husafell sandbags because I think I think Husafell is such a great event. But from a pro- promoter standpoint, you can see why promoters don't put it in. Like I I'm doing a I'm doing a comp in um, 
it does no, mess it it's, it's a it's a it's an event that fucks up the floor and all you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. but you, it's just more dangerous than it needs to be isn't it like if you will like yeah. um especially when you when it's for max distance so i'm doing a comp in norway and it was meant to be in may and it was meant to be 120 for distance Husafell, and i thought oh this is going to be brilliant and then they've changed it to sandbag for kind of safety reasons or whatnot, which you can see. Yeah, why. it's the train thing as well. The reason why I like a lot of these, because some people don't like the fact that there's these trends and events, whereas personally mm -hmm. I do, um, because it allows people to purchase a piece of equipment and get a huge amount of value out of it because they can utilize it for multiple competitions. And then next year, if there's another trend, they get that piece of equipment and then they're building up their kind of strongman kit yeah. um, without having to be like... What would you show. like to see then? Sorry? What would you like to see? What would I like to see? Well, <laughs> personally, I'm a huge fan. And well, to be fair, there's, there's one coming up in Northern's 105. I'm a huge fan of Conan's Wheel. That's a cool event. Uh, I like Conan's. I also yeah. would like to see more medleys. I'm a big fan of um, death medleys. I don't think there's enough of them in Strongman. So, yeah, loads of carries, loads of drags, uh, implementing different things as well. Like, we've had a, we have a lot of yoke runs, a lot of farmers runs. I haven't seen yoke farmers drag something like that for a while as an, as an event. And I think that they're, they're really cool. So I'd like to see some, yeah, longer, longer events like that going. Yeah. I, I, I quite liked it, the Rogue Invitational, the... They've done it two years in a row now. The yoke into log, which logically you wouldn't kind of put them together, but it just—I think it, I think it's a great way of what 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 was it a six event comp? It's a it's a great it's way. Probably of testing. unique. It's a unique test of strength because most you can't wear. It's like usually people wear completely different kits for both. Yeah. So you've got to make your decision. Like obviously you're going to choose the flats, aren't you? For 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 the the yoke. But then you got a login flats, um, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool test of strength. Really makes you have to make a decision as to what you're going to do. Uh, yeah, I, th I think something 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 like that that would be scalable for, you know, like say chaos putting their comps on. You know, let let they. I think I think their events are brilliant because they run through so quickly. Because the the structure and organise the events are always head to head, so it's it's just brilliant having uh, being able to like direct clients to there and know that they're going to have a good experience. It's going to be done within a few hours. So a way that they could maybe integrate this kind of thing, but still keep it head to head, I think would be good. You know, um, I, I can't think of my top top of my head how to do it, but you know, like say do like a could be like farmers into a throwing bag for reps or something. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think that's um, that's something that opens the doors to a lot of fun events, which the thing is, though, I've actually spoke to someone about this before, and a lot of people don't like that because they think it's like the conflicting events together. And I'm like, I really like that because that's the, that's the true test of Strongman, really, is having skills that you can apply and being able yeah. to quickly transition between skills to express strength in different why, ways. Why don't we have, why don't we have 10 event comps or eight event comps? Well, they take too long. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what's a way to tackle that? Yeah. Like, pin them together. 
you, yeah, you could you could put like if you had say a five event comp, but say even just two of them were like say one was log into sorry, one was yoke into log, the other was farmers into throwbag for reps, and you've got you you've got seven events tested over seven events there that in the same time essentially. But anyway, yeah. that that's just a, an idea for for promoters. I think it because cool. I was thinking the the other day, Shane, just going off topic. Be cool to do like a like a an invitational style comp, like me and you and our little network or whatever. You know, have like um, just ten people that are really good. Put some prize money. We stream. I really it. want to run comp, Josh. That's on my. That's this is this is <laughs> thing I like to do. As soon as my apps, I think I said this to you, as soon as my apps at the point where I'm happy with it, I want to take the money and invest it in, in shows. Uh, it's really on my to do, but I don't know when the hell that's going to be. Maybe it's going to be like two years away. I don't fucking know. But it, yeah, I do think that, yeah, a comp like that with unique events, good people, it'd be fucking class to watch. I, I think it'd be mint to um, have, like a, have like a comp running that me and you knew a lot about and commentate on it. I, I'd love to do it. Yeah, because in a day, like the Rogue Invitational and stuff like that, it's not tied to anything, is it? You know what I mean? It's just like a, a show with prize money, good events, everyone's good. If you had yeah. that for the lightweight scene, yeah, fucking buzzing. But that's what I thought was good about the Rogue was like, I think I think Loz is doing it absolutely brilliantly, like his coverage and the, uh, the, the, the yeah, Brian Shaw on doing a bit with Brian Shaw and like Brian Shaw's analysis was very, I, I thought were, were very good on some of the different different events. I thought it was just brilliant and it just provides context and makes you enjoy it. I, I've realized that since watching a bit of like Loz's like preview shows and stuff, like if I hadn't watched the Loz's preview show for The Rogue, I wouldn't have enjoyed it anywhere near as much. Like a lot of people will, will flick on, oh yeah, Rogue, oh, this comp's on, or oh, who's competing, or oh, who are these three I haven't heard that much of. What? Can't... But you get like a background on everybody, like without kind of much effort and it just provides so much more value when you watch it and that's the limitation with like live streams and stuff is is the fact that you put a live stream on of a comp and just live stream it people are like oh yeah like what it should be a live stream we'll watch it you wouldn't watch it because it'd just be boring with no context no like overlays of like stuff that's going on no commentary no like and i, I think it'd be really good and uh Maybe, maybe, maybe the, um, maybe we could, maybe me and you could commentate the under eighties this next year, like England or whatever. But I don't think I'll do it. Yeah, I'd love to do something like mate. We get like some kind of. What are you going to? We're going to have a live stream for the Englands again. Say again. Is it going to be a live stream for the Englands? Well, we'll do one. Yeah, we'll do this, and, we'll, and we could we could commentate it. And you, yeah, that's like, sweet. Because, because it's it's like a it's a thing that I've, I've always wanted to do, but I always get FOMO and then end up all the stuff that I know about I end up competing. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be good to it'd be good to do. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. And um, yeah, I think we could, I think we could add a lot of value to the listeners what watching rather than it just being a live stream. Not getting underneath fully, assuming that we're talking a jerk here. But can you can you answer? In fact, he sent sent me a video that I'll get up in a in a moment. But can you answer it from a kind of like a a high percentage push press perspective? 
and then I'll I'll get the video and have a look at the jet. Well, <clears throat> this is a question that I need to like I said I need to see the video to answer it specifically. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a is he split split jerking or power jerking? Split jerk. Yeah. Well, maybe you're not splitting. Oh god, I'm spitting everywhere. That's disgusting. Um, maybe you're not splitting long enough or deep enough. Maybe you're pussying out with the heavier weights, and you. A lot of people sometimes don't get their head through. They look back at the barbell um, because they're worried about you committing and coming through. So there could be a, quite a few reasons. But my, another thing I would say is, if you are still getting it, it is strong, man. So it's not yeah. that important, really. Obviously, we want it to look pretty and nice and snap to lockout, but. As long as it's going 99% of the way, if you're pressing out that last little bit, um, you know, who who cares really, to be honest? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to put the, the video up because I think a lot of, it'll bait a few people at this because be, people might give him some stick for having, uh, you know, like say a, a weightlifter looking at this would um, be really concerned. But, yeah, so he's, he's but just like I said, by like, He's made the lift. He's failed the lift, and then he's made it. Yeah, because yeah, the, basically the... you're just in the early stages of learning your split jerk here. So when you do your higher percent work, just focus on for strongman getting it. Like like we said before, Josh. Really, let's say it's getting close to the competition or one rep max. Just work yeah. with what you've got. But when it's in your lighter load technique work, yeah, you need to split longer on the balls of your back feet and um, deeper split as well. If you're not too confident in your split position, then maybe doing some split stance strict press is a nice way to... Oh, yeah, I like that for building stability in the split. Brilliant. Yeah, it just gets you used to how long you need to split and gets you used to where you want to to be with your, your load placement as well uh, because you look a little bit front foot heavy on that one. Uh, the knee goes over the toe instead of being in line with the heel. And then you shift the weight back as your heel goes down the back leg. So yeah, there's quite a bit going on there, but really it's just just skill acquisition is what you need there. Yeah. So I think I think a key thing that you said here is that that is like work working at high percentages. And I think that if you fake like say say you got like let, let's talk about say say you went for a you failed a one fifteen snatch shame. Like, yeah. And. and People are be people are be oh, oh oh you missed it because of this you failed it for oh you need to do that you need to do that whereas actually when you fail it like you the high you, I don't I can't I can't make my point anyway but I I think I think it's better to analyze technique if you want technique feedback like at kind of in the seventy five to eighty percent range because you should be executing that with kind of the yeah. desired optimal technique. Any lighter than that, it's going to look prettier than what it probably is. Any heavier, yeah. there's going to be more breakdown. So that's like a nice percentage area to to work within. Like if you, if you can't hit, if it starts to be like minor press outs at 75%, you know that every 5% there's going to be more press out, really, because things are going to be breaking down more. Um, but overall for Mr. Diabetic Dan, I would be saying to, yeah, learn about where you need to land in your split. So you start with a, I would say to start with a split stance strict press when you're warming up so that you can learn how long 
and where the load placement in your feet should be on your splits as a warm-up. Then, for someone like him, a nice fix I like is to use a half-stance split jerk. So, because he's not splitting long enough, if he starts half-split and then goes to the full split, he's yeah. going to eliminate that, that pathway that he's learned to go in here. He's going to start there and go here. Then he can bring that to a full split. Yeah. Um, and you can you can use that as a training block or phase, but you could also just use it as a warm up strategy, you know, that you just do those two things before you go to your, your split jerks and apply it over your one. So I think this is going to be I think this is going to be a really good uh, thing for us to do in future. Like have some have some videos here that we analyze because I look like we, we both get really good results with people, and we both. But we see things very, very differently. Like you, you've you've picked on a couple of things there that I can see now. You've you've pointed it out, but they they weren't the things that I was initially drawn to. The thing that I was initially drawn to was the the dip and drive. I can see that the dip and drive that the the rack position's pretty good, but the, the as as he dips, he's dipping ever so slightly forward, and then it's it's exaggerated even more as he drives up, and it's chasing the bar forward so if we if we we took it exactly from the side you'd see the plates rolling forward ever so slightly just subtly as he as he starts the drive the dip's actually pretty good but as he starts to drive the bar's rolling but the the other thing if you slow mode this i don't know how to slow mode this yet oh with instagram so um but the the big thing screaming out to me like even if he even if he fixes even if he got like really good at the strip presses in splits and improved his footwork and got really uh, confident with the the footwork, I feel like the timing between the between the transition for, there's not enough gap between the finishing the dip and drive and actually transitioning into the split. It's like a one movement. It's like a kind of he's trying to kind of jump. He's trying. He's trying to jump and split out before he's actually whilst he's drive whilst he's driving up. Whereas I think what what people should do who are jerking, uh, kind of think of think of two two separate movements. So finish the drive as explosively as you can, where you're literally trying to trying to heave the the bar, heave your torso into the bar to get the bar up as high as we can without before you bring your arms into play. And then once you've once you've once you've finished the drive then move so almost thinking of it as two movements so you can see he's doing it it's almost like a split press this rather than a dip and drive into a jerk or a jerk recovery if that makes sense so thinking of it as two movements and finishing the drive and then into the jerk recovery so adding adding like a little complex what one of my favorite exercises for for teaching you how to dip and drive brilliantly is just is push pressing really well and actually push pressing. Um, so, so even, even doing like a little complex, like say, say you could even do this as a little complex, like push press and then a jerk, push press and then a jerk, push press. You're focusing on really driving through the, driving through the legs and being as explosive through your extension. And then you're trying to take that same extension into the, because basically what you'd see here, if he, if he, what, what, what we ideally want to do is we want to achieve the position where you're on your toes, your knees, are, your ankles locked out, your knees locked out, your hips are locked out. But if we took the freeze frame and took a picture, the bar should still be connected with his torso. Whereas with what Dan's, Dan's doing here, 
before he's fully extended his ankles, knees and hips, he's already tried to jump underneath the bar. Does that make sense, Shane? Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. So I, I, I think t- t- treating it as two different movements, finishing that drive and then exploding with the legs and really exaggerate. And with an empty bar, you can almost c- c- kind of re- really, really, really exaggerate this. So doing stuff like Shane said for the footwork and then adding in like what you could do, like you could take Shane's drill, what he said about like the short, I don't know what you call them, like short jerk or whatever, where you start in a split stance, short stance, and then you practice reaching with that front foot. So great for front foot footwork, but start with the barbell on your head or like a dowel. So mimic the position where you finish the dip and drive, stand stand on your tippy toes and then, and then finish the jerk. So basically you're practicing that transition of you're practicing Shane's thing of improving that foot, like the, the longer footwork, but you're also practicing it from a position where you finish the dip and drive and you're not practicing, not going 